tomorrow, uh, David Sylvester and, and I, and looking forward to that very much. And one of the things encouraging people to do is um, bring their Bibles or turn the device on, and uh, we'll read. It's on the screen as well. We're delighted about that. It's Advent, and um, thought that we would, uh, Phil began Advent this morning with Matthew 1, and the genealogy, he did a tremendous job. I feel I should get him up for, as a reprise to read out all those Hebrew names. It was brilliant. Uh, there were just a couple of them. There was a moment's pause, and I thought his brain is just sounding it out before he said it, but it was uh, pretty much on the button. Thank you, Phil. Well done with that. Um, I'm not going to reiterate them, but I am going to pick up from... Um, going to pick up from actually verse 17, but don't worry about that. Uh, I told you verse 18 on the screen, so just uh, to pick up. Chapter 1 of Matthew, uh, verse 17. Well, actually, gonna, main text is from verse 18, but it, it links from the genealogy. Thus there were 14 generations in all from Abraham to David, 14 from David to the exile to Babylon, and 14 from the exile to the Messiah, verse 18. This is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want her to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, Son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife, but did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. Last week, on the run-up to Advent, thinking um, what to preach on, and obviously Christmas kind of themes, but one of the things that, that um, particularly provoked me or caught my mind, and I'm, I'm sort of uh, entertaining that idea, is, is all around the names that are, are given for Jesus. Uh, I love this morning, as, as I said, reference Philip read the, uh, the complicated names, and in some ways, any of those could have been part of the family history. You know what it's like when you get the middle name of, of your great uncle or grandfather. I was going to say great aunt, but that would be weird, wouldn't it, uh, if it was me? Maybe not. Depends what her name was. Memories of history, memories of legacy, names. But particularly, I want us uh, this evening to, to think about who is Jesus and why did he come in particular, around those two names that were revealed in, in that verse. The genealogy prepared us and prepares us for the most important birth in history. It's a bit like, well, 
here we go back to Abraham. And then in the phrase of that comedian back in uh, when I was kind of growing up, and there's more, he used to say, of layer upon layer of history. Uh, and this Matthean kind of um, abbreviation, there were 14 generations in all from Abraham to David, 14 from David to the exile, and 14 from the exile to Messiah. Uh, that's a stylistic thing. It's not actually literal. But he's saying there are four great epochs of history from Abraham, Father Abraham, the one who God spoke to and said, come, leave where you are, and I will give you a land. And that journey of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and Joseph and the 11 and, and onwards through into Egypt and out of Egypt and towards the promised land and the, the conquest and the settling and, uh, uh, and then of David, great King David and his son Solomon and then the spiral of not so great, God taking them to exile, another huge part of the history of God's people. And then we're told from exile, another period of history with some names we're less familiar with until we get to Joseph and Mary. Matthew, at the start of the New Testament of this gospel, in no uncertain terms, is wanting to provoke us and write, who is this baby there's lots we could say about the, the action of the Holy Spirit, the annunciation of God prophetically about who he would be. But we're told two really key things, Emmanuel, God with us, and that he is to be called Jesus. You see, the name Emmanuel is, is not a prayer, but. It's not, O come, O come, Emmanuel, or that longed hope, but it's a statement. This is a statement. This child will be God with us. Remember, it comes from Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14. The child that is being announced will be a sign. Therefore, the Lord himself, says Isaiah, will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. God with us. I love uh, sometimes as I, I sit with the scripture and I try to think what are the resonances and, and these aren't my own thoughts, all of them, uh, but I'm really grateful to, to people who write books and commentators because they're much better at this than me. We're all learning. But they, they, they note some of these deep roots that give such expressive meaning when the angel declares and says, this will be God with us, Emmanuel. Not only of Isaiah, but remember that, uh, that this Jesus isn't just kind of like a, a glimmer, that he's not just uh, some postcard or Christmas card, a representation or just a short note, but this is God with us, this bundle of baby with its rosy cheeks and its burps. Reminded that in the Ten Commandments, one of them says this, Exodus 20, You shall not make for yourself an image in the form of anything in heaven above or on the earth below or on the waters below. 
One of the things that characterized the Jewish nation is that they didn't have a representation. They didn't make any artworks of God because God had forbidden it. He said, I am un, undescribable. You can't render me in the form of a statue because you'll make an idol of it. You can't make me into some sort of design of some abstract or impressionism. Not at all. But trust my words. The Romans were so uh, kind of um, surprised by this because every other religion has some form of representation, a statue, an idol. That you know, the Romans called the Jews atheists because, not because they didn't believe in God, but because it seemed that they were without gods because they're saying, where is your God? And they said, well, he's everywhere. But where is he? Where's the temple? Well, there's the temple. But in it is just some artifacts. There's not any... God. In the Christmas story that we are working our way towards, God doesn't give us a representative or a delegated emissary or even a messenger, although there are lots of angels in the story. But rather, God comes in person. He enters in right from the outset. This claim, God with us. And as such, it's a, it's a shocking kind of corrective to our world. It's not this quaint idea that some hold that we can, we can just find God if we try hard enough. Have you heard it said, you can find God if you try hard enough? Have you heard that? If you're true to yourself, you'll find the divine within you heard that? We don't get through to God by gazing at creation and thinking grand thoughts. We don't find God by experiencing just a spiritual feeling or expanding the mind or using altering substances or even embracing the divine and you choose your object. Matthew really, really wants to obliterate any of those understandings. God has got through to us in his way. God with us. This Jesus, this baby, this one written about and we sing about, isn't simply a teacher or a sage or a guru, or a mystic. But Matthew has definitely said, God with us. This, as the gospel will unfold, is the central claim. This, as they say on Christmas cards, well, Christian ones anyway, the reason for the season. Do you know, we cannot abandon this without abandoning the entirety of the Christian faith. You can't take Jesus out of it because he is God with us. But the angel goes on to Joseph, who has decided to divorce quietly. What a kind man. Not to expose to disgrace. He's in the right, clearly, because he's doubting his, his fiancé's integrity. The angel corrects him, 
Verse 21, she will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. This name is so, so significant. I wonder if you can remember the story from your parents of why you got the name you did. Philip, why did you get the name you did? Ah, oh, very royal. There we go. Lover of horses. There we go. Uh, Philip, anyone else can remember why they uh, named the, why you were named, or even that conundrum of naming uh, um, babies? I've never really had to do this. Surprise, surprise. Uh, you'd be glad to know. Although I kind of have. Now you're intrigued. It, there's kind of always this thing, isn't it? I ask my friends who are, uh, are pregnant when they are pregnant, uh, and I, I, they kind of say, uh, what's the, the choices, boys or girls' name? And there's always this really kind of like, it's very hush-hush, isn't it? No one really likes to say because it seems that names get changed right at the last minute or when you see the, the little bundle of joy arrive. Um, and I've, I've often tried to input my suggestions into that process. I said, Edward's a great name. Uh, <laughs> Would you like to call your child Edward? No, we wouldn't, they tell me. Uh, in India, I, this, you always, I always have to think on my feet in India. There's always some kind of strange, wonderful thing that crops up. I remember being there and uh, presented with this little bundle, uh, uh, this little lovely uh, Indian girl. And uh, they said, will you, will you bless our newborn child? And I was like, well, of course, yeah, I'm very happy to do that. But also they said, will you name our child? Which is an amazing thing. Um, I have a bit of a cheeky mind. I don't know if you, if you know me well enough, you'll get this. And I had some team with me. Um, I think Karen was there and maybe Jan. And um, Brenda, you might have been there as well. Um, and the, do you know what the first name that came to my mind was for this little girl? Not Edwina. That would have been good. Helga. Uh, I know. And I said, oh, let's name And they said, no, you can't name it Helga. And I was like her and I said well why not and I was shouted down I can't, I can't remember quite what I named her, the child now but then I was quite I was like a little bit perturbed thinking what's wrong with Helga I looked it up it's Germanic you know that's Germanic and it means holy or blessed so actually I thought that wasn't a bad name maybe for an Indian child not so good but anyway I do wonder if Joseph and Mary had started that process of name thinking wonder what we'll call a baby. It wasn't just that the angel let the cat out of the bag and did a gender reveal party, uh, you know, a bit of a blue confetti cannon, uh, or maybe blue glitter on the wings, you know. I don't know quite how that would be in the vision, the dream. I wonder if they'd begun to think about a family name a parent's name, I mean, Matthew's already given a couple of them, a great-grandparent, and there are many great names in Hebrew tradition, especially their firstborn son. I wonder what would be top of their list. I, I kind of set my mind thinking and, and wondered where they could quite easily have called their son Moses. Good name, isn't it, Moses? Got a lot of history great hero, pioneer, 
Man of God, raised up, led God's people, confronted the power of Pharaoh and all the gods of that age and led God's people out from slavery. What amazing man, Moses. He saw God as if face to face that no one else did. He received the, the commandments on Mount Sinai, was held up as a great, great man of the Old Testament. One who gathered the people together on Mount Sinai and gave them the law and led them into the promised land. Maybe the angel could have said this. You are to give him the name Moses, for he will save the nation by the rule of law. Moses discovered in the wilderness that there are limits to law and order. Not to mention what happens when the law gets broken. Again and again we see that the Lord doesn't change the heart. So maybe not Moses. What about David? I mean, he's an ancestor, isn't he? We've just been told this. Good old King David. Great King David. Covenant made with him. The Davidic covenant after all. Today you will be my son, I will be your father, says God. And we know David had a heart for God. He was a worshipper. The Psalms, so many of them were written, penned by him, beautiful. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. David's powerful and zealous and devoted and victorious and he's a conqueror and he expanded the land and he defeated the enemies. Maybe the angel would have said, you're to give him the name David. If only because it's more convincing and powerful and demonstrates the ability to fight and stand strong. You know, embodied in that name, victory, conquest. God with us, surely they'll know and be able to turn to God when they see how powerful he is. Make them believe. But David found out that power and strength and hands that were bloody with violence comes at a cost. The pride. Discovered that love doesn't win the battles but produces fear, not true devotion. Okay, not David. Solomon, Solomon, a great king, even better than his father, David, greater indeed. Indeed, Solomon uh, was the height of Israel's power and prestige and of global influence. Not really just the name of power like his dad, David, but wisdom, knowledge. Even the queen of Sheba traveled with all her grandeur. The greatest of the queen of Africa came to seek out the wisdom of Solomon. And Solomon kind of attributed many of the Proverbs in the book of uh, Proverbs. I mean, there's a book in the Bible. After, what a great name. Stands the test of time. Maybe the angel might have said, you are to give him the name Solomon. Save people through knowledge and education, and wisdom. I mean, it's important, isn't it? Good old Tony Blair, his little mantra, education, education, education. And there is much good in that. Don't mishear me. 
But education and wisdom has its limits, knowledge. For as good as education is, we recognize that it can't make bad people good, can it? Evil people don't repent when confronted with truth. They just make excuses, carry on. And can make bad people even more smart, yet even more deadly. So Solomon's off the list. What about one more? Hmm. Who else is a great pillar of the Old Testament? I know, Aaron. Aaron, brother of, brother of Moses, the priest, the high priest, the pioneer of religious life in Israel, the one who brought worship and sacrifice, who loved the temple and loved God. Maybe the angel said, you're to give him the name Aaron, for he will save the people by religion. Isn't that what people need today? To turn back to God? To, to know the difference between right and wrong? To have moral fiber? But alas, you scratch the surface and you realize that religion isn't always a force for good. Think of the things done in the name of religion. They're horrific, many of them. Not just deeply rooted in the past, contemporary. Think about the resonance in Qatar. England fans in their crusader outfits. <laughs> Banned. Not because they look a bit silly with their plastic swords. But because a, a millennia ago, it was such a brutal expression of Christianity. Aaron's off the list. The angel said to Joseph, you are to give him the name Jesus. Save people from their sins. That's what we need. Important though law is in education and religion and power, they aren't the way. There is another way. Jesus, the Savior, the Deliverer, the Rescuer, the, the humble servant who, who said later on in his life, I've come not to be served, but to serve, to give my life as a ransom for many. Did you know Jesus' name was really common? It's not a particularly special name in the era, in the time. A historian called Josephus wrote a book called The Antiquities, and he lists those who held the high office of, of, uh, of priests in, in the time of Herod the Great, the fall of the temple in around about A.D. 70. And he records that there were six Jesuses who served in the temple at that time. Not Jesus that we're reading about, but there were six others. Here's a little question to wake you up. Um, I'll give you a mince pie if you get the right answer. It'll be next week, but I'll give you a mince pie as a prize. Can you tell me the other Jesus in the Gospels? You get the mince pie there, Mr. Mark. Well done. Just turn up with me to Matthew 27, uh, verse 16. End of Matthew's gospel. 
Matthew 27, 16. At that time, they had a well-known prisoner whose name was Jesus Barabbas. This political Jewish insurgent terrorist. He was seeking to save Israel through terrorism, insurrection, resistance, alongside Jesus when brought before Pilate. It was a common name, but in this, in this naming that the angel provokes, we hear not only that is God with us, but God saves. God to the rescue. I mean, there's nothing new here. This isn't kind of shock, horror, what is God now doing? This has always been his intent, but it's like the laser beam or the, or the broad kind of light span is laser focused in Jesus. That though Jesus is a common name, it's the Greek, Jesus, the Hebrew is Yeshua. That's where we get the word Joshua from Hebrew. But the root meaning of that is God is salvation. You hear it there, don't you? When, when the angel expresses it and he says, why is he going to be called Jesus? Because he will save his people from their sins. The Old Testament teaches that God would send the Messiah to save people. Jeremiah 23, 5 to 6. The days are coming, declares the Lord. This is about 500 years before Jesus. When I will raise up for David a righteous branch, a king who will reign wisely and do what is just and right in the land, in his days Judah will be saved and Israel will live in safety. This is the name by which he will be called, the Lord our righteous Savior. Or even in the Psalms, 130 verse 8, the psalmist writes, He himself will redeem Israel from all their sins. I underlined in my notes, he himself. Who is that he himself? God. It's like this double emphasis. Not only he will save people from their sins, but he himself this definitive focus, not on some, some emissary, not on some kind of agent, but God himself will redeem Israel from their sins. God promises he will provide a rescue. And though centuries later, the angel declares Jesus. Jesus. Hallelujah. Remember, this is more than just, but is definitely included, our personal sin. Everything that we've got right and, well, not right, wrong, intentionally, unwittingly. Never knew anything about it, but we, we didn't do the right thing. You know, the, the Hebrews, the Jews, prayed every day that God would rescue and deliver his people from the consequence of their sins and from the oppression of their enemies. Lord, save us. Not just save me, save us. Save us. Just as incidental, I just wanted to underline this. This is a bit of a side. Is that all right? Have you ever been 
with someone. I know it crops up in Alpha and, and when I talk to people of, you know, and they're, they're thinking about Jesus kind of reading the Bible. And they ask this really kind of important question. Where is it? I remember asking it myself and, and when I've talked to people. They say, will you show me where, it says, where Jesus says, I am God? Have you ever been asked that question or posed that? You said, I wish there was somewhere in the gospel you could go, well, if you turn to John chapter something or that, say, yeah, Jesus says, I am God. The closest you get, I think, is John 4, when um, he's talking to the Samaritan woman. And she says, oh, there's a prophet, and there's that discussion. And he says, I am he. They say it about him. But I, I, it's not that the, the Gospels are a bit uncertain or a bit like, oh, we don't know. We're just hedging our bets, sitting on the fence. They are really, really definite. I want to demonstrate. This is the aside uh, for you. This is your spiritual mince pie. There are such strong hints. In the New Testament, in, in, the, um, in that lovely Christ hymn, Philippians 2, 10 to 11, remember at the, the end that uh, when we told our attitude to be the same as that as Jesus Christ, who in the very nature of God didn't consider equality with God something to be grasped, you know that bit. Verse 10, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. You remember that bit? Paul is asserting most definitely that Jesus has the right of God's lordship. Why do I say that? Well, in Isaiah 45, 23, Old Testament, by myself, it says, I have sworn, this is God Almighty, by myself, there's that double emphasis, by myself, I have sworn, my mouth has uttered in all integrity a word that will not be revoked. Before me, before the Lord Almighty, every knee will bow, by me every tongue will swear. So do you see the kind of parallel that, that Paul is massively underlining? That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow. But, but Isaiah said, before me, oh, before only God Almighty will every knee bow. And every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord. By me every tongue will swear. It's right there. When Jesus, when someone wonders, why does Jesus ever say he's God? He does. It's really writ large. You see what I'm trying to drive at? In Matthew, right from the word go, right from the beginning of conception, right from this little fetus growing. The Mary knows, and Joseph's begun to know. As Mary's belly swells, God in person has come and what he's going to do. Every time Jesus is mentioned under the undercurrent is he will save, he will rescue, he will deliver. Every time, you know, Jesus has to define himself as Jesus of Nazareth because there's lots of, lots of Jesus around, but it's, this, is, this is Jesus of Nazareth. The one who will save and rescue people from their sins. We're not told how he's going to do that. I don't think Mary and Joseph, even in their worst nightmare, imagined that it would lead to the cross. 
But Matthew leads us there, and we're being led to the table this evening. Jesus knew it in his later life. He'd come to understand from the scriptures and seeking the Father through the Spirit. Matthew 26, while they were eating, Jesus took bread, and when he'd given thanks, he broke it, gave it to his disciples. This is Jesus, the one who will save us from our sins. He says, take and eat, this is my body. Then he took the cup, and when he'd given thanks, he gave it to them and said, drink from it, all of you. This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. I tell you, I will not drink from the fruit of this vine from now on until that day when I drink it and you in my Father's kingdom. The first Sunday of Advent, our gaze is towards Christmas. And the tableau that will be set before us and as we gather around the manger, that manger that was so unremarkable, And so unnoticed bar by a few wise men and some shepherds. That in his coming, God with us, Emmanuel, Jesus the Savior. He slipped in. How silently, how silently a wondrous gift is given. Jesus born to two teenagers, God with us. I love how countercultural that is. God doesn't force his salvation on anyone. But those who seek. But most truly, in these two names, Emmanuel, Jesus, We know that we're saved only by his sacrifice, only by his life given. And only in his death does the meaning of his name become clear. Jesus, who will save us from our sins. Of all the names in the world that could have been given, Jesus, the most special It's right that we declare it the greatest name in history. The name above all names. For there is no other name to save us from sin. There is no other name of salvation. There is no other one in whom we can find the offer of forgiveness, of peace, of life without end. Jesus, Son of God, Savior of the world. Amen. Jesus. Jesus.